1: and share him with others. Our pastor is Dudley Rutherford, and we join him right now with his message for us today.
2: I want you to take your Bibles and turn to Psalm 150. How many of you know you go to a great church? You go to a great church. God is good. This is the last Psalm in our series. We've been going through Psalms, all 150. And the last chapter is the Hallelujah Chorus of the Hebrew Songbook. And in this chapter, if you look at it in your Bibles, you see the word praise. It's in there almost, I think, every verse. Now, praise is more than just a little cliché. Now, you know what a cliché is, don't you? It's these little phrases that people say that that really you hear them so often they don't mean much to you. Like, no news is good news. What does that mean, really? No news is good news. And then you have what goes around Amen. comes around live and let live even in christian circles we have our own little cliches uh... one is uh, the devil made me do it okay? and it's just something you say you don't really mean it you just say it but some people it's this phrase praise the lord uh... some people something will happen and go praise the lord they're not really praising the lord when they say that but but praise the lord is much more than that i want you to write this down Uh, Brian Bill said it's the ecstatic expression of unbridled joy the ecstatic expression of unbridled joy something you just can't contain the praise just flows out of you in the Hebrew write this word down the word praise praise, or praise the Lord is the word hallelujah because the Bible was not written in English initially it was written in Hebrew the Old Testament was Hebrew and so they would say hallelujah everybody say hallelujah And it means the same thing. You hear someone say hallelujah. What does that mean? It means to praise the Lord in Hebrew. So uh, then write this down. In Latin, the word praise means to prize, P-R-I-Z-E. And if you think about it, prize sounds like praise, doesn't it? To prize something, to praise something. And it means that you prize or you praise, you honor, you shine, you glorify someone or something that merits that praise now the subject the subject is very easy for us to discern praise the who who's the subject the Lord is the subject of our praise if you look at your Bibles in verse 1 and verse 6 the first three words and the last three words of Psalm 150 are the phrase the phrase praise the Lord now I have four points I want to go through them kinda quick number one is called the perfect auditoriums, plural. Make sure you put the S on there, all right? The perfect auditoriums, plural. Because I believe there are three spheres where God is to be praised. The first two are mentioned in the text in verse one. It talks about an uh, an auditorium below and an auditorium up above. If you look at verse one, the auditorium uh, below is the sanctuary. Do you see that in verse 1? Praise the Lord in His sanctuary. And then you have the, the auditorium above. Praise God in, in, the, in the heavenlies, in His mighty heavens. Now, I believe they are in many ways one and the same. I gave you uh, uh, some verses there, Hebrews 8, 5, 9, 23. You can read that. They, one is a shadow of the other. But the truth is there is a heavenly host above And there's a human host down below. And we here on earth and up in heaven, we are blending our voices in harmony. That's what I see there in verse 1. Like a modern musician sitting at a grand piano, the ancient singer uses both of his hands to bring forth uh, these two into harmony. He, he He takes his right hand up to the highest, most praiseworthy notes. And with his other hand, he measures all the praise that is going on here on earth, and those two spheres come together in perfect harmony. Look at verse one. It says, To praise the Lord, first of all, in his sanctuary. That's the auditorium below. Now, specifically, everyone say the word specifically, they were talking about the temple. You see, the, the Solomon's temple, which lasted 350 years before it was destroyed in the year 586 by the Babylonians was raised a second temple, which this psalm would have applied to. That temple began in the year 516 and, of course, was destroyed in 70 A.D. And in these temples here on earth, uh, the people would come to praise God in the outer courts. The priest would go and praise him in the inner courts and the great high priest we talked about this last week he got to go inside that area called the holy of holies he'd go in there once a year but in verse one praise the lord in his sanctuary they were talking about the temple the the the, where the people came to praise and then verse one says and praise him in the mighty heavens that's that's the expanse of heavens and this is what this is what you need to understand you can relate to the praise here in this sanctuary but there's another sanctuary in the heavens where all of heaven is praising the Lord. We see this in Revelation 5. The Bible says, I looked and I heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands. Yes, 10,000 times 10,000. And what were these angels doing? They were encircling the throne uh, and the living creatures and the elders. And verse 12 says, in a loud voice, they sang this song, worthy is the lamb that was what? Slain To receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and what? Praise. So in verse 1, you see these two auditoriums, the one below and the one above. And what are these auditoriums doing? They're, they're praising the Lord. And then there's a third auditorium. I want you to write this in. It's the, it's the auditorium from within. Because the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 6.13 that our bodies, your physical body, is actually the temple of the Holy Spirit. So where is praise supposed to be happening? I believe it's very clear, that. and and this is a sanctuary here today. This is an auditorium. Uh, You should have come to church today. There should be praise going on in this room. At the same exact time, I think there's praise going on up in heaven. And I think wherever you go, inside the temple or outside the sanctuary, uh, wherever you go, you should be praising the Lord. Can someone say amen? Amen. Did you know that some of you, some of you in this room right now, you have loved ones that have already gone on to heaven. They're not in this auditorium. Uh, They're not in this auditorium. They're in that auditorium right now. I want to ask you a question. What do you think they're doing up there? What do you think they're doing they are praising the Lord my dear friend Scott Bauer who was his senior pastor at church on the way for uh, he, he took over for Jack Hayford Jack Hayford retired and, and uh, Scotty my friend married Jack's daughter not only was he Jack's son-in-law but he had to walk in the footsteps of Jack Hayford over there at church can you imagine following the footsteps of Jack you're the next pastor and yet Scott was this guy who loved Jack's daughter, but he loved the Lord. And at his funeral, they even talked about this, whatever Scott was doing, he was always, he was always praising the Lord. And I'll never forget Bishop Ulmer at the funeral, he talked about Scott exactly, his hands weren't like this or this, he talked about how Scott's hands were always in a a certain position, man. And when he imitated him, you could just see Scott. And Scott is no longer here. Nine years ago on a Wednesday night, he was in church, and he walked off the stage and had a brain aneurysm. And a few hours later, he was gone. And to this day, my heart still aches. Because we, like, we were like brothers in this valley uh, doing the Lord's work, and he's no longer here. I, I still hurt over it. But I know, I know what he's doing right now, all right? He's up there in heaven. And i know he's praising jesus how how many of you know that's what he's doing that's what he's doing so my point is this my point is this when i come to church when i come to church when you come to church whether it's the day of prayer and fasting or it's on a weekend or, or wherever i'm going if i whenever i'm praising god at that exact moment i know that my praise is like an aroma it's like an aroma that goes up to the ears of god that Mingles and mixes with Scott's praise and even though we have loved ones who've gone on before us you need when you come to church let me tell you you ought you shouldn't get here late you should not leave early you should get here and worship and sing and know that all this praise is going up and joining with those angels up in heaven as every all of heaven and earth should be praising the lord at the same time amen 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 Number two is the perpetual anthem, what I call the perpetual anthem. What exactly is the anthem of our praise? Something that should be repeated over and over and over again. It's right there in verse 2, if you just read the Bible. It says that we're to praise him for his acts of power. I love this next line, to praise him for his, not his greatness, God is great, But we're to praise him for his what? Surpassing greatness. Now, at the time this was written, you you don't know this unless you know history. But at the time this was written to those Jewish believers worshiping in the earthly sanctuary uh, there in Jerusalem. They had just witnessed God's mighty acts. And what was that? It's when God swept Babylon, which at that time was the most powerful nation in the world. God had just swept Babylon, the most powerful nation in the world. He swept Babylon off the map, off the world map. And he replaced it on the world stage with a country by the name of Persia. And one of God's mighty acts was to put on the throne of the world a man by the name of Cyrus, who issued a decree of emancipation, freeing and ending the captivity of the Jewish people. And the mighty act that they understood was that this Cyrus, the king of Persia, had allowed the Jewish people to return to their homeland and to rebuild the temple and to once again begin to worship. It was a giant step in the history of the world But it was a giant step in the history of the world because from that temple, God was setting the stage for the first coming of Jesus Christ. And so what happened so dramatically in the psalmist's day could be happening in our day, where God, in our lifetime, has reestablished the nation of Israel after it was destroyed by Rome in the year 70 A.D. In May 1948, God reestablished the nation of Israel in Jerusalem. And the events surrounding the Middle East today could be God setting the stage for the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So when it says to praise him for his acts of power and surpassing greatness, it's not just his past greatness, but it's his future greatness. That's why I call this point perpetual. You see, God surpassed greatness when he created the world. That, that, that creating the world is not just great, it's surpassing greatness. Surpassing greatness was when God gave us the Ten Commandments, surpassing greatness was when God gave us his one and only Son when Jesus Christ was born. Surpassing greatness was when Jesus died on a cross and he was buried. And three days later, he resurrected. That's surpassing greatness. Surpassing greatness was in Acts chapter 2. And the Holy Spirit fell and the church began with some 3,000 people who came. And the church began. The kingdom of God began. Uh, Surpassing greatness when Saul of Tarsus was converted. And ended up taking the gospel all over Europe. Surpassing greatness was when Roman missionaries took the gospel to the shores of Britain to help present the gospel to an English speaking world. Surpassing greatness was when the Bible, which was written in Hebrew and Greek, was finally translated into English in the year 1380 by a man by the name of John Wycliffe. And who in this room will ever be able to evaluate the impact? that the English Bible has had upon the world as we know it. Surpassing greatness was when the Word of God came to the shores of America. Surpassing greatness was 100 years ago in 1912 when the Shepherd of the Hills Church began. And surpassing greatness was the day that you got saved and God opened up your heart, and you heard the Scriptures, and you heard the Gospel, and you said, Yes, Lord, I believe. And God came into your life and washed your sins away and placed within you the hope and the assurance of everlasting life. Surpassing greatness is really what God has done in your life, and you ought to praise Him for that. Number three is the powerful accompaniment. What is is an accompaniment? Accompaniment is if I'm going to sing and a, a pianist wants to play alongside me. And uh, so according to the Bible, we have all these instruments that come alongside those of us that praise. And look at verse 3, 4, and 5. Praise him with the sounding of the, what's the very, what is the very first instrument? The trumpet. I'm going to come back to that in just a moment. It's interesting. He begins with the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and the lyre what's a lyre a lyre is a small harp. it's a small stringed instrument that looks like a harp. verse 4 praise him with the tambourine and with dancing oh we're supposed to be dancing yeah that's in the bible praise him with the strings and the flute verse 5 god says hey i want to kick the volume up on this praise why would He do that? Well, I think it's because you've got a hundred million angels up there singing and God, sometimes He can't hear you. He's he got to turn the volume up in here. <laughs> Praise Him with the clash of cymbals. Praise Him with resounding cymbals. You see, it's not just our voices. It's our, it's our hands. It's our fingers. It's our feet. It's the harp, the flute, the tambourine, our dancing. Uh, it, it's, it's, you see, corporate worship... I, I hope you understand this. Corporate worship was not meant to be passive. Worship is not something you come and watch. Worship is not something you come and just listen. Worship means that you are to be fully engaged. Listen, I, I, listen I'm the preacher. I can say this stuff. You all need to get here on time and be here early. And get ready when the worship starts that you're, you're the first one ready to go. I, I think when I, I, it hurt, I, when church is over, you shouldn't be leaving. Uh, in fact, today we have a song at the very end. I want it to be the final part of this sermon. I, I hope you'll stay. That, that, that means after the announcements, all right? You used to after the announcements. We, we, have, we still have some more time to praise. Can someone say amen to that? Amen. Now, now, go back to that instrument. you see the trumpet? That's not how you and I see a brass trumpet with three little, note, three little finger things up there. No. This is a shofar, a ram's horn, the greatest of all Jewish instruments, because it could be heard from a great distance. I went to the Million Man March years ago in Washington, D.C., And it was with a Promise Keepers event. And I was there that day in the mall with a million guys. It was a sight. We were there to pray for the United States of America. And I was thinking, how are they going to start this service? There's a lot of people here. You know how they started it? Someone blew the shofar. And every one of those one million men could hear that shofar as it was being played. The shofar is is still used today in Jerusalem to announce the beginning of the the Sabbath. It was used in the Old Testament days for the giving of the law, the coronation of kings, the beginning of war. The the watchmen used it up on the walls. Worshipers used it in in the temple. And that great sound could be heard when the walls of Jericho came tumbling down. You see a trumpet blast clears away any wandering thoughts. And it gains our instant and immediate and total attention. And it awakens us from our sleep. It awakens us from our slumber. It awakens us to worship. And one day when the Lord Jesus Christ returns, you're going to hear another trumpet. You're going to hear it. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep. That means we're not all going to die. Some of us are going to actually be here when the Lord Jesus Christ returns. But we will all be changed. Verse fifty-two: In a twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will all be changed. So, true worship, biblical worship, is being engaged. It's it's your voice, your heart, and your feet. Sidney Carter wrote these words, I danced in the morning when the world was begun, and I danced with the moon and the stars and the sun. I came down from heaven and I danced on earth. At Bethlehem I had my birth. I danced for the scribe and the Pharisee, but they would not dance. They did not follow me. I danced for the fishermen, for James and John. They came with me, and the dance went on. Dance, dance, wherever you may be. I am the Lord of the dance, said he. And I'll lead you all wherever you may be, and I'll lead you all in the dance, said he. I danced on the Sabbath, and I cured the lame, but the people said it was a shame. They whipped, and they stripped, and they hung me on high, and they left me there on a cross to die. I danced on a Friday when the sky turned black. It's hard to dance with the devil on your back. They buried my body, and they thought, I was gone, but I'm the Lord of the dance, and I always dance on. And all God's people said, amen. Number four, I close with the participating audience. Usually people come to church and just sit out there and watch what's going on up here at the stage, and they think all these people are up here worshiping, and our job's to watch them. No. God says that the audience is supposed to be participating Verse 6, the very last verse says, Let everything that hath breath. And, and you can just check yourself right now. Are you breathing? Now, if you're not breathing right now, you got problems. But if you're breathing, look at that. If you're breathing, you should be engaged in worship and praise. Let everything that hath breath, praise the Lord, praise the Lord.
1: Come and explore the book of James and discover God's user-friendly solutions for some of the biggest challenges we all face daily. Get your copy of Pastor Dudley's book, God Has an App for That, today. Hello friends, my name is Dusty Frizzell, and I want to invite you to our new Thursday night service at Shepherd Church. That's right, we're adding a fourth service starting May 5th. Worship service starts at 7 p.m. and it's for all ages, but we're going to have food trucks before the service. In the first few weeks, the food is going to be free. We'll be following the same sermon series as the weekends, and you'll hear from myself, from some of my friends, and even from Pastor Dudley. So if you'll be gone on a weekend or you just want to open up some seats for others on the weekends, join us on Thursdays starting May 5th, at 7 p.m. I hope to see you there. All information on dates, service times, and locations can be found on our website, shepherdchurch.com. I'm Kyle Welch. We invite you to join us every weekday at this time when we again lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley.